Hello and welcome to the Edge and Flow podcast. This is TJ Schwartz. I'm here with Lucas Burnley. And in this uh, whole entire podcast, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about knife making. That's kind of like a central pillar for us. Manufacturing, design, like household finances and uh, disagreements with wives sometimes or whatever comes to mind. And we usually record it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there <laughs> listening, I appreciate it. Yeah. What's up guys? Oh, okay. This has been a, uh, this has been a busy week and I think it's been a lot busier for TJ. So I'm going to let him kick it off. Uh, you've been, you've been unsupervised. Yeah, it was a, it was a busy week, like a very full to-do list type week, but it was a very like Zen week in a, in a way it didn't um, start out that way. So, uh, Dalton took a week off. I mentioned that in the last podcast today is Thursday. It's the last day of his time off, but he'll be back on Monday. So what I realized is basically I was going to just this week slide into his position, like keep the shop moving because ultimately right now going into Q4 and things that's the thing that just can't stop. We got to keep our pedal to the metal on keeping the machine running, keeping parts moving through the shop. Um, so I kind of went back to my old gig, you know what I mean? But from before I hired him and, uh, picked up a lot of old projects. So it was kind of cool to touch back base with all that. Um, and so it was a lot of good old fashioned listening to a podcast, doing great work in the shop and enjoying it. And it was, it was solid, but right at the beginning, I kind of had an idea that I would use this week to get some other stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a little bit on Monday, like stressful, because just kind of realizing that the most important thing is for me to go into the shop. And then right. once I started doing that, it felt great. And get that. I think I week. talked to you Tuesday and you were like, okay, there's a lot. And yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I like, I don't know. I'm going to do this solo again, you yeah. know? So yeah. the, the question, I guess there's a couple questions around this for me, which are like, one, I love it as kind of a fire drill mm-hmm. because you've you've improved your processes. Um, you have changed your role in some of those um, processes, 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 process. Uh, process pro- <laughs> oh, I like process. I. <laughs> All right. So the process I has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think it's a really good experience to go back, do that work yourself and see if there was any takeaways. Were there any Mm -hmm. takeaways? Uh, First and foremost, we have been printing paper orders. And so orders come in. We try to do basically once a week on Monday, I print all the orders that have come in that week. And then they just get added to the stack out there. Um, And so he's got some spreadsheets where he tries to organize like the strategy. And he's been really good at handling that side. But I realized that's kind of like a silly way to do it. But the website that I have set up that supports all this stuff and has all the ordering coming in, mm-hmm. I knew there was possibly a way and I did find it where I could have like a secondary admin with permissions yeah. to just look at the orders that are coming in. So the shop computer now is going to have that account logged in where it's like, we don't have to print the order until it's just a packing slip. It'll yep. be straight off the screen to build it as opposed to like organizing paper. Um, I think, once I was out there, because what happens is he has like an organizational flow for literal stacks of paper on like clipboards of like, yep. these ones need sheets, these ones don't. I looked at him like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I don't know where exactly these should be. And I was a little worried about like disorganizing his flow. And I was like, this having paper is not a 21st century solution. Right. So, um, so I got that set up. And so when he gets back, we'll just start a new, a new trend. How, what days do you guys ship? 
Uh, we ship. It, it could be any day. Okay. Um, but the thing is, it's like when the knives are kind of built up. Yep. We have trays. Then it's like I'll take and ship a couple of trays. It could be any time during the week. Yep. Um, it just depends. Because so we just we just made a small shift. Um, it's been really fun. Like now that Maddie and I are kind of like working side by side on some of this stuff again, we're reevaluating some of the uh, process. I uh, and what I realize is there's still a lot of throwbacks from the way that I did things when I was by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like founder. I think some of this is like founders dilemma things where it's like, I just did it this way. I taught someone else to do it this way. That's how it's done. Then you have like a huge, uh, shift in process, right? I'm totally out of it. So that like for us, that would be going to employees that are shipping and then going to third party logistics that is shipping. Okay. Mm-hmm. When we brought it back in, what I realized was, okay, A, it is awesome to have third-party logistics because they're shipping every day. Order comes in, order goes out. Two, we were setting it up like I used to do it, which was I would ship like two or three days a week mm-hmm. when it was just me. And so we actually made a small change where it's like now one of the first things Maddie does, or if not the first thing Maddie does when she comes in now, let me think about that. Uh, we do like a 15. So she does a 15 minute clean. So second thing, uh, 15 minute, like clean and then goes straight to shipping, but you're only shipping one day's worth of orders. Mm-hmm. It's two or three packages. Maybe what I love about it though, is someone who is ordering one thing isn't waiting three days or two days for that package. And we're finding that overall it's a really good lead in to the day, but that thing is done. And then if the week gets blown out or something else happens, that shipping isn't stacking. Yep. Yeah. Just kind of interesting. Cause I was, and, and, um, I, I came to the idea talking to Tom Crine who was like, yeah, he's like, oh, I just like, I just like pull my orders and like ship whatever I need to. Like, I don't worry about the day. And I was like, huh, this is an area where I've been so rigid on like, no, I have X amount of time. I line it up on Wednesday. I'm going to ship. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Like yeah. just consistently doing a small task sometimes I think is faster and more efficient than saving yeah. that task up and blocking out the time. Yeah. Making it a maintenance item for the yeah, business. It's just so, maintenance. Yeah. Right? It's a, it's a, a daily chore. Uh, right now we can't, we're definitely going to have to go figure some of that stuff out in the future, Mm -hmm. but right now knives ship when they're done and they're like, it just, I don't know. It's like one, once a week we pretty much ship, but it's like, it's bound by knives literally not being done. It makes sense when it's, when it is, is project completion. This is like, we have so many smalls that our website is always selling something. You have pick and pull. Like yeah, literally. it's like, oh, yeah. there's a, you know, a $50 bead sold or like a, you know, a $200 yeah. pen sold in it. But it's a lot of times it's one thing. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, we're looking at like, sometimes you're like, okay, someone will order something Wednesday. Okay. We're going to ship that Friday. Something happens with the kids Friday. It doesn't ship till Monday or Tuesday. And I'm like, I'm just not okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seems easier to be like, all right, like if, if the rest of your day goes to hell, you've at least you have shipped product which generates revenue and is a closed loop. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of using this as a, a metaphor 
in other areas of the business that I, that I think I had had a lot of preconceived notions around like structures. Mm -hmm. Um, I, am just kind of like finding like consistency in my own life, like might be like one of the determining factors of something's success. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and like, not like, obviously as your workload grows and your time commitments increase, you can't like make everything consistent and like also spend a lot of time doing it. But like, I'm looking at it, like even from a standpoint of like CAD practice, I kind of feel like I'd be better off doing 15 minutes of CAD and like 3d printing an object every day mm-hmm. than being like, all right, like I'm going to, I got four hours on Thursday yeah. to like do my CAD practice. So I'm yeah. kind of testing it out. No, that's, that's totally valid. I think a lot of things work well in that way. Um, just bite size, repetitious type, um, either practice or like yeah. shipping and things like that. Yeah. It's, that's something I really, really want to stabilize. We were, we were there as far as, um, like I said, we wanted to have stabilized inventory where we are literally building to order and right. the knives have been sharpened. We, it's funny. We, we were like right there and then when blade show West happened and then there's been a bump in sales because we're just moving into Q4. And so it's like it, we like lost grip on that. Like as soon as we got there. So, um, it's okay. Like we're, we're doing well on like our lead times and stuff, but I really want to get to a point where we can have a weekly flow that involves restocking inventory as opposed to like chasing orders. Uh, yeah. I know I've mentioned that in the past, but right now it feels like we're, we can't really get structured. It's more of like the most important thing is what needs to be done next. And until you finish that thing, you don't know what the next most important thing is quite. Right. Um, so we do have like a list in Trello of like, this is the production order because right now Overland sports are the most lagged and they're the ones that need run on the sile or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the future, if it was like, okay, Monday, you know, you start out, we do our shipping, then you fire up the sile. We run a batch of knives every week this exact same period of time this quantity then tuesday is like we're going to sheaths we're going to scales like it'd be it'd be cool if there was a pattern to it um i do think we can get there eventually but not quite but i did learn with him not being here this is not a one-man operation anymore um right <laughs> like the production oddly enough kind of is because right. he has most of the ownership over that right now as far as like executing um and so if he's gone i do that and it feels like not a whole lot is missed as far as productivity, but I have like lists and lists of just process improvements and like more macro stuff that is, it's completely iced. I mean, like it won't be touched if I didn't have him. Well, and that's like, that's the whole concept around like urgent versus important. Yeah. Like when you're doing that, you're one man, like everything is, everything is important. Everything is busy, but you're not able to actually like, you know, push forward. Yeah. One thing I did get done though on Monday is I ordered a whole bunch of stuff because we've been talking about it for quite a while and it's time to do it. We're we're gutting some of our fixturing. We are changing Ooh, nice. some things. Um, we're going to integrate vacuum into multiple processes in the shop. So I got to let's, let's dig cool into that vacuum. a little bit more. Okay. So I guess what triggered me to buy the vacuum, I had talked about doing vacuum forming sheaths, but right. the, the thing that really pushed me over on getting it is. I'm going to try using a Pearson palette that's vacuum, um, like, uh, what's the word vacuum setup where basically like if we're running scales, right. As opposed to screwing or bolting down for two operations on our scales. Right. I want to try vacuuming a whole sheet down, like okay. a whole 
giant coupon that's like multiple scales yep. and see if we have the hold down required um, and if that's going to be serviceable to not even use any bolts or screws at all. Um, Interesting. I get and, like gut responses that like maybe you're getting like first op done uh, at least. No, my goal is completely done. So oh, it's I'm like, so curious. Put a sheet in scales come out put a sheet in scales come out no okay. screws it's just one button so for you guys vacuum. that are that are like unfamiliar with this um and i'm not super familiar with it but like the budget version is that you have a table it is essentially got holes in it um it's pulling a vacuum mm-hmm. and you are using some type of membrane uh either o-rings or some type of perforated like silicone or something as a as as like a hold down so explain to me for something like scales what oh i'm kind of seeing it now that i'm saying it like what is providing the hold down once you have holes uh punched through so so my goal is to have each scale milled into the into the fixture in an isolated cell um so it's like you have so like from the side of the pallet like the front side I'm going to be drilling holes and then there's going to be sort of a manifold. So each scale individually is its own vacuum holding sort of cell that's kind of like connected with a manifold. Okay. Um, and that way, when you start to mill through the sheet, you can go all the way through it and you don't break vacuum. Cause as soon as you puncture through into a vacuum space, like you lose all vacuum instantly. You lose all vacuum. Um, and so it's like, if, if I can do all of the milling, as a sheet so all my 3d contouring would happen while it's still like one solid sheet okay and then the vacuum's still holding it down for all that and you have the force of all the scales and then i just take like a small eighth inch end mill and like mill out the actual perimeter and i'll have to test how much like tool load i can get away with without them moving to just do the final breakthrough to like release them essentially and you wouldn't are you pulling these off finished you're not going to a second fixture no no second op just one op and no tabs or anything like no that? No tabs. Oh, I'm so curious. I so can't wait to it, see how that works out. I really want it to work um, yeah. because actually one of the main benefits is not necessarily, obviously it's more efficient, but one of the things is if you want your holes in your scale to be perfectly positionally accurate relative to the perimeter, you really want the holes and the perimeter done at the same time and not be one and two ops. Um, so everything we do right now is one and two ops but we have shadow box scales. And so mm-hmm. a slight, slight amount of variation, whether it's thermal or whatever, between that is not a huge deal. But a uh, little spoiler alert, we are doing some stuff that's not going to be shadow box at some point. Oh. Um, and so I, I need the holes and the perimeter to be done at once. Um, and so there's multiple ways to do that. And this is this would be the best way if it works. So cool. A, we're going to try that. And B, we're going to use the vacuum to... Uh, vacuum form sheets so okay what um, is the actual vacuum system uh uh so i watched a video there was a guy that makes like some vacuum table stuff for like holster makers mm-hmm. and the, they seem like a high quality american-made manufacturer of stuff i don't remember the name but he he mentioned the brand their go-to for vacuum is robin air okay and uh like harbor freight has them and stuff i thought about that but i just went ahead and got a, a robin air it's eight cfm so that's on the higher side from what I've seen on what okay. people use, but I want a lot of vacuum for the scales. So we'll see. Dude, that's exciting. And they're not. What else could you use vacuum for? If you ever wanted to do like stabilized wood. Yeah. You could do that. So if it, like I said, if you can imagine the top of the fixture palette has like 
the shape of each scale, but like inset from the inside shape of the scale so that it's sitting on like a, it wouldn't have an O-ring in it, but it'd just be a channel. So you can yeah. vacuum all the way around, but yeah. then you have to get vacuum into that somehow. Yeah. Right. And on a Pearson, you can't just go through to the bottom because you have the Pearson pallet underneath. Right. So I'm going to have the channel, like a little eighth inch hole drilled down like a half inch. Yep. And then from the front of the pallet, like I said, drill like a quarter inch hole all the way, all the way thread, in thread to, that. E- to each of the scales so that on the front of the pallet, you'd have like six or eight holes. Okay. And that the reason for that is with it exposed, I'm just going to do like quick disconnect manifold with like yep. nylon line to connect them. I'm so interested. And you can isolate. You could go from having the whole sheet, whereas like you said, if you're going to do a block of wood, you could put it on just one of those scale locations. And then you could isolate that particular scale vacuum area by disconnecting the manifold to only run that portion of it. Yeah, I wonder, um, the last, when I've been doing composites lately, it's been for inlays. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm running them dry. The way that I'm doing it is essentially, it almost doesn't seem like it should work, but it like works so well. I lay down blue tape, right? So blue painters tape on Mm -hmm. the fixture. Mm -hmm. I then put blue painters tape on my part right so in this case like a one by three piece of carbon fiber eighth Mm -hmm. inch thick or something you kind of like squeegee that down to both right and so then you have both non-sticky sides facing each other you then super glue the non-sticky sides that's really cool i thought i think i've heard of that it must work really good because i've heard of it works like insanely well that's awesome so that is like another one where you're like the vacuum is probably better, but you could also probably do like an entire sheet adhesive backed and just pull the, you just basically pull your parts off and the rest is scrap. So it's, it's just a way of thinking about like parts holding that is non-permanent, but still rigid enough to do everything you need to do. Yeah. Vacuum over time. Like, uh, tape version faster at the outset vacuum probably a little more accurate and probably more efficient over the long haul yeah, if it works more engineering for yeah. the long term yeah uh yeah but you're no, good but at that, that but but what you just said is a good idea for like i definitely want to keep that under my hat for prototyping yeah for prototyping uh, exactly there's times where it's like i don't want to build a manifolded vacuum fixture just to find out that i have a hot spot and i need to change one radius or something you know it's kind of like my, um, i feel like my whole life is prototyping because like, yeah, i'm spending yeah. a lot of time in like these areas where it's like how do i do this and not destroy my part or kill myself yeah which I was having a conversation with my dad and uh, I thought this really belonged on the pod. So I'm going to throw it out. So uh, he has a good buddy, a bit and spur maker named Wilson Capron down in Texas. Amazing bit and spur maker, silversmith, like just incredible. If you're a nice guy, you would enjoy looking at his work. It's different, but similar. Um, So he has a, like a, a study in design that he calls like a gesture drawing. Yep. And he, he, there's a book about it that he recommends by like Carmine Nicolaiti, I think is the okay. author. But what a gesture drawing is, is like if you're going to design something, you like put your hand on a piece of paper and instead of thinking about a design and then like rigidly trying to execute, you just start like almost like scribbling. Yeah. It almost, it looks like complete trash, Yeah. but you wait for a line to come out yeah. that actually looks good. And then you start yeah. refining. 
So the reason I'm saying that is like, it occurred to me that my whole shop and all my processes up to now have sort of been a gesture drawing. <laughs> so it's oh. like, it's like everything that I've been doing up to now is like the first most obvious, simplest way to do it is like, it's almost like a scribble of a way to make like handle scales. Totally. But now I'm looking at the scribbles and I'm picking out the lines that work the best and then deleting the lines that were like errant. Mm. Um, and it feels like I'm really pivoting from the gesture part, like the prototyping part to like finalizing and committing to the things that worked and then avoiding the things that don't. Um, so that's feels incredibly like well said. You're a bit of a wordsmith. Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> my dad and I talk about gesture drawing all the time, so I guess it naturally it's blended. Be, but... Maybe the book I write will be on you and your dad. Oh, just the uh, country wisdom. The saddle You're maker good, and the CNC man. machine. <laughs> it's like your whole circle, though. It's like there is. That's gesture drawing, just I think in general is super interesting because, especially if you're a perfectionist. Because I think a lot of people stop at the point they're like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to do it. And like the idea behind gesture drawing is so great because you're like, you're not doing anything. Just yeah. think about the thing and then like it, draw lines. It's the plan is for this to be trash. Right. Like, right. Th that's the goal when you do a it's gesture funny drawing. Funny because I mean, it actually, knives are probably one of the best things to do gestural drawing with because literally you're looking for lines. Yeah, but you're just looking for a an attractive line, and so if you do a warm up where you're just kind of like doing elongated S's or like mm -hmm. you know uh, arcs and small curves, like pretending that you have like a a, a non existent French curve, mm -hmm. I think you end up probably with really really nice things that you wouldn't if you were like I'm going to draw yeah. this thing I'm seeing in my head. Yeah, and, that's pretty and cool. A, part of the narrative there is that like the idea with the gesture drawing is pr you pretty much create art with your eyes. It's like you, you need something to look at to yeah. further the project. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, if you're staring at a blank piece of paper and you're trying to conceptualize a hundred percent of it before you like put that ballpoint pen down, then you're really like hamstringing your yeah. creativity. Whereas if you just start laying like junk down, yeah, the, this you be, it becomes circular where what's on the paper is giving you ideas and then the ideas are hitting the paper and then that's giving you an idea. And it's like you just create like a loop. Whereas if you wait to put pen to paper until you've got it conceptualized com like fully, you're kind of frozen. It's like writer's block. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean, yeah, you start and then you actually lose a lot of times you'll lose the thread. You'll push yeah. something too far and you'll be like, oh, man, that was cooler before. But like, I can't get back yeah. there. Um this actually is like a pretty good tool for me. So, uh, for me, ADHD fidgeting, um, if I'm in a meeting, sketching is really productive for me. Mm. The problem is I get excited by if I start to draw anything that I'm interested in and then I yeah. will fully tune out. So a lot of times what I do is basically cross hatching mm -hmm. and I will just sit there and like cross hatch small sections because I, my hand is moving. I occasionally can look at it and it's like, it keeps my mind on the conversation, but maybe just like gestural drawing, just like kind of like throwing down lines. I wonder if that would serve the same. I'm do literally mm -hmm. doing it right now as we're talking. Yeah. So I'm going to switch to like curves instead of cross hatching. Yeah. Try it. Um, yeah. okay. That's pretty fun. But yeah, uh, so I just feel like we started getting the weeds there. We it, went vacuums. It did, it did result in me also ordering a, another Pearson base. So the okay. both machines are, because 
again, like I found how much I love Pearson on the style and the yeah. Tormach has never had a Pearson. It's always just been like bolt down fixtures. Yeah. And so it's, it's time to just Pearson everything. Um, Pearson for life. Yeah. Pearson. <laughs> yeah. I've got one. I've got one. Uh, it's indicated. I haven't used it yet. Um, I've been doing gestural CNC. We've talked mm-hmm. about that a little bit where like I forced mm-hmm. myself to do like a really simple task that I would normally do by hand. I forced myself to program it and do it on the CNC. I was frustrated the whole time I was doing it. And then at the end I was like, Oh man, that was like the best decision ever. Mm -hmm. And like, now I have like a different level of flexibility around some parts, which leads me to my next question, uh, which is what is the gestural version of CAD? Gestural version could of I, CAD. Yeah, like how could I how could I practice CAD unformed? Unformed. Yeah, um, kind of. That's a good question. But effective. It's a good timing too because I am recording CAD course material. Oh, you um, started? I I started a little bit. Okay, so. save it, or I'm gonna get distracted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, probably I would say reducing uh fusion down to just the sketch palette. Okay. is a good way to to start doing that is like start making tangent lines start making per- parallel lines prisms like you could even go in there and like you know like the s that you do on a paper notebook when yep. you're a little kid like with the three lines like you could start doing that because i gotta tell you like when it comes to the artistic side of fusion yep the sketch palette and like just doing the 2d sketches is so much of that yeah um that it, that could be used pretty gesturally I, think. I feel like there's a module there check this out what if you did like you do essentially like okay here's a here's the gestural cad uh module mm-hmm. and the goal of this is to familiarize yourself with the sketch tools but also all of the constraints mm-hmm. that are applicable to the sketches which like for me was one of the things i struggled with and i'm still struggling with the most mm-hmm. so it's like cool uh draw your draw your crazy ass but make sure you ground it. Um, yeah. Make sure you do equal lines, like all this stuff. I feel like just yeah. that alone, if you could come yeah. into fusion with that skill set, it would put you way ahead. That's a good point. Okay. That's a great point. Yeah, appreciate that because yeah. I, I am looking forward to recording something about sketches here pretty soon. So I think it's a fun way to do it. It's like kind of gamified, but you're like, here, yeah, like you're going to draw these shapes, but then you have to actually define them. Because mm-hmm. everything on a knife That's is a, funky. It's like, it's one thing if you're like, yeah, it's easy to define a square with a hole on the corner. Yeah. Or some I don't know what bracket. you're making. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're a bracket maker, yeah. Like, yeah. you're good. But yeah. knives kind of suck. It's like, <laughs> it's like everything has to work. Yeah. And none of it is, is really like easy yeah. or centered or anything else. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, but yeah, that, I guess I did uh, kind of drop a bomb there that the CAD courses are for sure coming because I, I sent so you I, I, have a, I have a URL and it's live, but I'm not going to say it because the website's unfinished. I just have it live so I can mess with it. Yep. Um, but it's it's coming. I, I thought I was going to do that. Lucas Burnley at Venmo.com. When I called you on like Monday or Tuesday, I thought I was going to get CAD courses like really gr- like <laughs> pushed hard this week. And then I was like, no, that style needs to run. Like it has to run. So landing page looks awesome though. I got very excited. Um, I'm going to sign up. I can't wait. Um, okay. So that's coming. Vacuums in process. Mm -hmm. What else? Where we go Um, from there? I'm, 
I like I continue to beat around the bush, but I'm I'm there's a there's a project in the works that a lot of this is sort of amounting to um, changes required to pursue this other direction that's coming. Dude, you uh, got to move on it so you can talk about it because you're going to. I'm actually, <laughs> like, I have a 3D print right here, so. That's sick. I'm, I'm, uh. Okay, nice. I'm holding it up. Sorry, guys. Yep. Sorry, listeners. Yep. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Right. It's gonna if, be... I was, if I was subscribed to the Patreon, I'd probably be asking for some uh, sneak yeah. previews soon. Maybe Patreon guys are going to get to see this here this week. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. Uh, okay, so for Patreon, uh, I did a deep dive on Discord. Realized like how little I knew based on the way that I had been using it. Um, we have the Discord set up, linked to Patreon, uh, but we have not... We have not uh, tested it yet, mm-hmm. um, but it is ready to go for you guys listening um, right now. Basically, it's just set up as like a general chat. Let us know if there's any like specific topics that you would want to build a thread around. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. curious. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mostly just want to do like kind of a meet and greet. Like I want to know who's listening and I want to know like yeah. what you guys do. I, I don't have a lot of experience in Discord. I just hear a lot about it. But from what I can see, if you guys are wondering what it is, it's like our own little forum. Basically. Like the, yeah. It's basically a forum with threads, but it's inside of the Edge and Flow server. So it's yeah. like, it's just us. That's really, really cool. It's kind yeah. of, I like it because human interaction wise, it's kind of, it's kind of like texting. It's like real time, but you can like go and check out, yeah. but you can have a conversation. There's audio channels. Yeah. Um, and, you and can upload video. So if there's yeah. like a thread that's interesting to you, like it's just yeah. there. It's yeah. Just, it's just there. Exists. Um, but yeah. like, I like it because the things that I follow in discord, I can just kind of like log in on my phone and then it's almost like I'm just texting for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like this that are existing, but you don't have access to the other people, I think really benefit from discord. Cause like as a community builder, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what I'm all about is building yeah. community. So it's much easier for like long form questions and long form answers than any yeah. social media that's out there. Yeah, totally. So, and it's cool. And not like everyone uses it right now, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty till sweet. this episode. Good drops. Idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're going to pull nope. it up now. Discord servers yeah. are going to crash and all that. And all of our listener joins. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dude, Watch out, fun. Joe Rogan. Okay, so that's coming. Um, so I got to ask, you yeah. said you were running the machine this week. Yep. How's that going? It's going great, man. Um, I'm done. I'm basically, I'm trying something new. So uh, the Kentucky Custom Knife Show is uh, first weekend of December. It's one of my favorite shows. I can't make it. Um unfortunately like just due to everything going on with the family but one of the moderators of the facebook group offered to take product so this is kind of new for me because one i'm do it's like it's there's like a disconnect i'm doing the prep but i'm not going to get to be at the show uh i'm doing kind of like a, a bare bones like show loadout uh but just interesting process and like trying to figure out like how to manage this like from afar he's done similar things like he's taken like a few pieces for like get togethers and stuff to shows but he's never had a table mm-hmm. um so this is kind of like a, a trial but uh this week my goal was to do all of the machining 
on all of the psi pops that I will be sending. The issue was that I was doing like onesie twosie pieces to have a good uh, cross section. Mm-hmm. And this is where I forced myself to do like the CAD and cam mm-hmm. basically just to do face shapes on already finished side pops, like go back in, cut a toothy. Whereas like normally I would just go to a grinder. Yeah. Um, but it was really good. I, I just, it's that muscle memory thing of like, I realized like once I was in it, I was like, okay, like man, for any thickness, like create the thickness. And then I'm just like adding in the shapes and changing the tool paths. But those are the types of tasks that like with ADHD are super, super hard because it's kind of it's like a bunch of little steps and none of them are exciting yeah and it just is like it's like like pulling teeth tedious rule following yeah tedious rule following kind of um but now that it's done i'm like it opened it opened up some other uh not not potential it's like it made like i want to do inlays on cypops i'm like all right fine like i did all this like I know exactly how I want to cut them for inlays and like that process. So like it kind of links and expands. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, this is great. It took me, I could have done by hand in probably a day what it took me like four days to do on the mill. But that is now done forever. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I will never spend a day doing that thing. And I, that might even be like generous. It might've been by the time, like all of that shaping was done, it might've been two days of work yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So no brainer. Yeah. Um, well, apparently. Yeah. No, it like we kind of circled back to like the process you had right. was simple and stable and reliable, but yeah. now you can engineer it up. Yeah. But you know, like you have a side pop product that sells and yep. these configuration sells. Yep. So, you know, you can justify this amount of effort. Yep. And it's like a good lesson of like, if you have a new venture, it's like the way you were grinding them. That's, that's like, like I said, like a gestural process. Yeah. It's a way to do it. That's like, you can do it for a week or a couple of days and then be yeah. like, yeah, people didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't spend all the time programming it just to find totally. that out. And, and I yeah. should like, I should say too, just to clarify, like when I do like larger batches, the shapes are cut in. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm like doing every shape by hand. It's that when I'm looking at what I have and I'm like, oh man, all right, I got to do a show. I have short notice. I'm not going to do big batches of every possible shape. Mm-hmm. And I'm dealing with like, okay, I've got quarter inch and, uh, like three eighths and five sixteenths and half inch. And I've got titanium and copper and zirconium and, and I want one to two shapes in all of those variations. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts to be insane. So do you write this all down in like a big notebook or spreadsheet or you just kind of spitballing? How do you Uh, usually approach that? Um, as far as like what, what I'm making, what I want to have at the show. Yeah. Dude, is this that like is, a word document or I feel like we've probably talked about this. Um, I would love to know how you would do it because this is another one that I'm really struggling with. I know I should do a show loadout. I'm basically super reactive. Um, I think that having a show planned mentally would probably be like, I don't know, like, a 10% overall time increase, like, like efficiency. Like Mm I maybe even more than that. I spend a lot of time wondering about what I'm going to make. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because I have so many products and so many finishes and variations that it can be, it can really bog me down. So right now 
I'm forcing myself to hand write down what I want to build and then save those sheets um, kind of as a, 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 like a gestural mm-hmm. because I don't have a better process. So like mm-hmm. what's a good process to plan what you're taking to a show? I got to tell you right now, Trello, Trello. <laughs> I just, I've had it only a couple, couple weeks now, but like, so for Blade Show West, I literally just made a word document and then you can use your bullet points that are like little check boxes. Yep. And then we just had it out there and we just checked all the boxes because we did we didn't have like individual products, but it's like we need this many of these finished blades. We need this many of these scales, this many of these signature customs um, that could all be done on Trello, which is exactly what <sighs> I would do. Uh, I actually Dude, it's, thought... it's so you're you're like it sounds ridiculous at this point. I think a lot of it like I didn't have a computer until I was 20. Yeah. I'm so used to doing things by hand and like with paper I know I can do a word document like I could do a yeah, spreadsheet. I just, just don't. It's memory. not like the native language. Yeah. Well, what I, 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 for whatever reason, like really attach myself to tech, like really young. And it wasn't, I wasn't surrounded by it. It was just, I don't know. It just makes sense. It's yeah, something I'm like that I just doing that did. more now. Mm-hmm. I got like a fun, uh, tangent to go on based on that, but I won't do it right now. Um, okay. So for Trello, how are you how would you use Trello to like plan a show inventory? So on Trello, I don't want to go too far into the weeds, okay. but like it's really designed to have these a list of what's called cards. Yep. So a card is like a a list item that can contain sublist items. So your card might be like Cypops. Yep. And then the card you can click on it and it can have a checklist inside of it. Okay. And so you would just have um a list, a master list that has like, okay, Kentucky custom knife show. Yep. And then you have Cypops, you yep. have Quikens, you have whatever. Hats Stick or- on Cypop. Here's, I want you to see if you have the same problem that I do. Okay. Here's where I get stuck. I want to take 20, I would say, I would say I'm going to take 24 Cypops. Yep. Okay. 24 Cypops. Uh, I've got uh, five materials. Okay. I've got three thicknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have 20 potential stamps. So it's the not including lasering. Yeah. I have, I don't know how many finishes I can do. I have carving. I have, uh, stones in mm-hmm. inlays. I, at, my brain starts to melt down because it goes into all of these details. And then I want to mm-hmm. create a card for all of the details. So like, okay, I'm going to bring a fixed blade knife. It's going to have a black blade. It's going to have green G10 scales and it's going to have an orange sheath. It's going to have black eyelets and it's going to have a tech lock. The options there are fairly straightforward. Mm -hmm. If you had more complicated options, do you think your process would still work or where would you subcategorize? I've been trying to get better and better about making decisions one time and one time only. Yes. Um, Because making the same decision multiple times. Oh, it's like solving I do, the I same do it all problem. The time. Like yeah. I, I get, I get sucked into that. I make the same decision like five times, many times. Um, and so, what I would prefer to do is like make a list. I mean, just set aside like the hour, whatever it takes. Like this knife is going to be this with yeah. whatever description, fully specced. And then it's like you just at when you save and print that document, you just tell yourself like it's done. The decisions are made. Yeah. End of story. And it's like, I've had to tell myself that a lot to like 
not revisit things because my brain always wants to revisit everything, like wants to double mm-hmm. check, wants to do all that. And it's like, as you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not like you're planning for a mission to, you know, outer space. Like, it's not like you're trying to make sure you have enough food rations. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like a life or death planning situation. It's more of a, like, what does my brain think is interesting and artistic? And it's right. like, if you revisit that, you can get just like lost, which I. Well, I, and that's like, that's like, it's like executive function issues. Like, yeah. Where this is when I was in my 20s and I didn't know, I just thought I wasn't good at a lot of things. And now I'm realizing like, okay, like there's some things that like my brain ha- actually is like struggling with like the, the, the way that is formed or like executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm looking, I'm like basically creating systems for myself to like kind of work around that. Just thinking about this, what I saw is actually percentile uh, improvement. So if I'm going to go to a show, there's probably exists a, a number of Psypops that actually can be standardized. I am going to take a toothy with a brawler stamp. Easiest way to do it is probably line those out by percentage and just say like, all right, I have 24 pieces. Uh, you know, 12 of those are these. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I need to figure out is a lot of the the cool stuff comes in the creativity and the unknown. So like Mm -hmm. me sitting there staring at something going, what do I want to build? Like, Oh, I had that idea a while back. Like, all right, let me try this texture. But I only need that for like 25, like, like 10 to 25%. So what if, what if on that list, you just had like three Cypop custom texture? Totally, like totally wild card. Like I yeah. get to spend time custom on texture. these, yeah, and then or like the custom deci- anodizing or whatever. Yeah. But the decision was made that yeah. it was going to be a custom texture. Yes, then as opposed just, to the specifics. Yeah, of what because that's what I've been trying to do. So I missed a step. First, I need to know how many I want to take. Then just a general breakdown. So like three specials. Mm-hmm. Okay, six standard. Then I can yeah. like dig into it a little bit more, but you're, you're totally right. That's probably the way to do it. When you look at the list, like let's say you print that out and then the next morning you're looking at it, pretend you didn't make the list. It's like, look at the list like someone else gave it to you and you didn't have the, you don't have like the ability to just rewrite it, revisit it, change it. I mean, obviously you have to call audible. Sometimes you're forced to, yeah. but as far as like looking at it and just saying, customer just ordered a burger and fries they want no ketchup like this is what i'm making and then and this is what it's like to be self-employed yeah <laughs> yeah basically multiple personality disorder yeah uh no man i'm a big i'm a big fan of uh past me doing awesome things for future me uh which yeah. is better yeah than like past me doing and stupid I, and, things and i think that what i like about like the whole trello thing is like the biggest problem I've had with not making decisions multiple times over again is mm-hmm. you, when you make a decisions a decision, it needs memorialized, like it needs carved in stone. Yes, and in a place that you can find it, remember yeah. it, access it yep. without having. Uh, it's like Adam Savage talks about like um, first order retrievability. Yep. Exactly, you need first order retrievability for your ideas, concepts, and goals. Yep, it can't get lost in a notebook. Yep. And so it's like, if you decide 
I'm going to, I'm going to bring, you know, a custom tuna or I'm going to send a custom tuna to that show. Yeah. It's like just saying that inside your head when you're sitting at like right after dinner at night, yeah, it means nothing. Cause nothing. you're going to, you're going to circle back the next day and like, Oh, should it have been a, uh, a Quiken folder? Like I, yeah. I don't know. I'm, you'll second guess yourself, yep. but as soon as you write it down and memorialize it, put it somewhere like physical, yeah. then you, then you start to be like, uh, it's like you're managed by the decisions you already made as opposed to just managing yourself real time, which. Yes. Which is the consistency thing, which dude, all right. I feel like we should just call the episode cause that was gold right there. That's all. <laughs> it was like all the takeaways, but it, but it's true. I think like you standardize what you can. You try not try to not solve the same problem twice. Yeah, it's crazy because I bet if I looked through old shows, even just around Cypops, I bet there's a there bet there is a breakdown by the end of what I'm done with that could be a formulation. Mm-hmm. Like there's X amount of these yeah. shapes, X amount of these textures. Yes, sim- it's like a simplification. Okay, that's fun. Uh, I've also... That. One of the things I've tried, I'm like over analytical, like that's, that's one of my battles is like, like I said, making decisions multiple times over, over engineering solutions to simple problems, things like that. That's a natural state for me. So, but I've recently over the last few years, like I've, I've tried to change my outlook and like trust instinct way more. Um, And like instinct, I think is the real, real, um, driving force to like most success i think i I think analyzing is like kind of overrated um and the reason is not that analyzing is bad it's that i think we are overconfident like as humans in our ability to model the future in our head and it's like an overconfidence in your ability to model the future it like it like your instinct is just as good as like you having spent a PhD research study. A lot of a lot, yeah. That's, that's like I feel like a kind of a known thing, mm-hmm. right? Which is yeah, analysis paralysis. Like mm-hmm. chances are, a decision made is better than like the decision that you will finally end up on after yeah. like ang- like yeah. languishing over it. Yeah. Here's here's a weird one. So that concept for you. Is that shop generated or life generated and then carried to shop? Is there like when you started having that thought, it's do you, where does it generate? Definitely generated on the business side. On the business side? Yeah. Has it yeah. carried over into life side? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think like recently we've been building up this chicken coop and stuff. Yeah. And I put a metal roof on it this weekend. Yeah. And I was like, my brain is like, you need to snap chalk lines before you put these yeah. screws. Yeah. Because it, I just, I, my brain just thinks that way. Yeah. Like you need chalk lines if you're going to screw through metal. Yep. And I was, and I like put the piece of metal on the roof and I was like, TJ, screw this thing down. Yeah. Like just do it. Eyeball it. Because yeah. the thing's like eight feet tall. You can't see the roof. It's like, just screw the thing down. Like get, make it look pretty good. You know, yeah. it's fine. And I'm not good at that, dude. I, it's I have really a hard, hard. Yeah. Well, again, it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to what we do the way we do it. Mm-hmm. Again, you and I are different in a lot of aspects, but I think that that whatever it is, is there's some shared perfectionism, yeah. <clears throat> which is not like actually super helpful. A lot of times it just yeah. makes it take longer and makes it more painful yeah. in the process. Um, 
Yeah, I'm like working on that too, which is like mine is more about time, which is mm. there is no I'm I cannot wait for the perfect amount of time or perfect scenario to act on plans and goals. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about like the like the shipping thing, which came around from like it was kind of a culmination. So I I have been trying to like get back into the gym consistently for quite a while. Um, and I hate, I hate the gym. It's like super boring and there's no dopamine. Like it's not my thing, but Mm -hmm. I need it for maintenance. And I had tried three days a week. I finally decided I was like, I'm going to try five days a week. Five days a week is easier than three days a week. Hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it's the consistency. Yeah. So like I do, I'm just doing a five day split and I haven't missed a day and I'm a month in. And I feel great. And that, then the conversation with Tom where I was like, oh man, I don't need to wait for the perfect time to ship packages. And it's like, we, Maddie and I talked about it. She took that on. I'm like, those things start to link. It's interesting. Like how many, I think crossovers there are between life and work. And I don't know, like it's been so long since I've had like a, a job. Like, I don't know. I guess it would be the same. Like if you're process oriented, you're probably like learning things and taking it either way. But we have the flexibility to enact just because like if you, if you were shipping for someone else and you had that realization, it doesn't mean that you could change their shipping process. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you're kind of able to look at it and be like, oh, like implement. But in that Liberty becomes a trap (laughs) of like, you could could redesign your shipping process way too many times. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's my that's my dilemma. And like, like a perfect example is like there was a a half acre industrial lot that I went to purchase like, I don't know, 18 months ago. And I didn't I couldn't quite see the vision of like when and how I would build a shop on it. But I knew it was a good deal. And I like overanalyzed it for far too long. And then like, I got pretty dang close to like going through on the sale and then ended up getting having a cash buyer like scoop it out from under us. And by the time I'd made the decision, I knew I wanted it. It was too late. Right. And looking back, I was like, I knew from the second I laid eyes on it, like it was an instantaneous, like instinctual thing that like, yeah, you need to buy that. Yeah. And I was like, what was I thinking? Like I was second guess. Yeah. I was second guessing. And so I got to be like, you obviously have to question some things. You can't just like completely shoot from the hip on everything. But like, man, instincts are so important. Like instincts are... More people, important. you know, what's funny is I think people a lot of times equate that with age and I don't equate it with age. I, I equate it to exposure. Mm-hmm. If you are in put in positions where you have to make decisions based on limited amounts of information, the more frequently you do that, the more you learn to trust your process and mm-hmm. also know like where your blind spots are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is like, uh, yeah, I think it's really helpful. And like, you look back in hindsight's 2020 and you're like, it is the reason that we are in this house, in this shop was I fully blindly trusted a gut response mm-hmm. to some like data that I saw around the housing market where we were. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with it. There was nothing I really could do with it. But I was like, there was there was like a there was like an 
like a uh disturbance in the force yeah and and i'm really like i'm like there's a lot of times i haven't followed through on things yeah. this one i did and i'd like yeah. it's like that's probably one of the most uh that was probably one of the most consequential yeah like productively consequential decisions i've ever made yep and it, it's, it's uh when the vision comes into your head like yep. believe it yeah i mean you and I, I had the same thing happen in the house we're in right now. Uh, we were all, you know, overanalyzing, like buying a house, you know, housing market. At that time, we thought the housing market was inflated, like 2019. Yep. Yeah. If you remember those days, everyone yeah. thought it was inflated. And I was like <laughs> a, a little bit nervous uh, about that. And it was like, like you said, I like that feeling came over me of like, you need to buy a house right yeah. now. Like yeah. you need to make an offer on a house this month. Yeah. I don't know what it was like that instinctual, like. I mean, you can't, it's not always going to be correct, but it's like, man, that the instinctual decisions I've made most of the time are the better, best decisions the better that I've made. I think there's, there's some basic human nature there that comes into play too, which is like, you are, you don't want to be wrong. You don't want people to think that you're stupid, right? So you don't want to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, you're like, you realize that like mistakes are basically how you learn yeah. and failure is like fully part of the process. Like even if you're not taking it to like, you know, a tech bro, like fail fast, fail forward, yeah, you know, fail before you even start kind of yeah. scenario. Yeah. It, it is real. You gotta, you gotta be able to like take chances though. Yeah. When I think ultimately, like I, there was a study that was done that was, they were trying to figure out like personality traits of like mm-hmm. the successful founders that probably a lot of like Silicon Valley guys and like people that really are made huge visionary differences in successful businesses and the personality trait that was like most strongly correlated to that was the tendency towards action. Yeah. So it wasn't like IQ. It wasn't like education. It wasn't yeah. skills. It was actually just a tendency to actually move to yeah. like step forward. Yeah. Um, and I think part of why I feel like the instinctual decisions I've made were, were so good is that like their decisions that cause action. Yeah. That is a big action. Whereas yeah. like if you analyze things, it's almost a hundred percent of the time going to devolve to not taking action. Well, and and we like, can relate this to like, let's relate this to like the flow side, right? Which is if you make a decision, you are then involved in action. Mm-hmm. While you are in action, you can course correct. Yeah. You can make, you can make modifications. Yeah. But if you don't get to that point, you can't yeah. make the next best decision. Mm-hmm. You are stuck on a choice. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like, I think there's a, there's like a number of scenarios that I've put myself into that could have gone very badly. Mm-hmm. It's just that once you're in it, you also don't want it to go badly. So you continue yeah. to adapt and make the next best decision. Mm-hmm. It's not that it was the right decision. It's that it was the, it was the action. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Action leads to results. Well, I and love it. Like, instinct I leads to action. Yeah. Action. Yeah. Yeah. Instinct leads to action. That's very good. I love like the, like the quotes, but like when I was younger, I feel like I really leaned on them hard. Um, like, you know, Fortes, Fortuna, Audio, like fortune favors the brave or prepare. Mm-hmm. I, I always like thought that one was wrong 
because like fortune favors the brave. I don't know if like bravery is necessarily the thing bold. that favors. I've heard it bold. Yeah, fortune or bold. favors. There's the a bold. bunch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like there's a lot of ways to like get eaten by a lion too. Yeah, yeah. But but I love like those that dare. Um, yeah. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like these yeah. exist as bite size. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, lessons that are pretty functional. Yeah, humanity has found this nugget. Yeah, here you many- go. So humanity has made this decision many times. Yeah, they some really long-winded <laughs> dude explained it, and then someone yeah. was like, those that dare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, well, that is the problem. Is so many, like, things like that that become a cliche become yeah. easy to ignore. Yeah. But oftentimes, cliches, like, self-perpetuate. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like it because so. I, I just assume that, like, every great philosopher has an uncle who, like, <laughs> they deliver this speech to, and then the uncle is like, so you're saying it's nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, exactly. Like, yep. 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 That's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Dude. Okay. That was exciting. I got like, I got like fully wrapped into that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, What else? Dude, we're like in an hour. Yeah. We kind of yeah. had flow state on that yeah. one. Yeah. I had fun with that Dude. one. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you guys are in like Instagram or Patreon, anywhere that you can comment on this, like tell us about an instinctual decision you made. Ooh. And if it did or didn't work out, um, I want to see if there's a pattern out there. I feel a pattern in my life. Like, I want to know if that yeah. translates. Yeah. Let us know. And it can be business or personal life. Yeah. Like, totally. I would love to hear unrelated things. But just, do you trust your gut? What was the last instinctual yeah. decision that you made? Yep. Leave it at that. Mm-hmm. All right. That's perfect. Sweet. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, I'm going to ask you as always to leave us a review, share the pod, mm-hmm. um, join up on Patreon. And that's it. Peace. Thanks for listening. Later.